0: Lord Jesus, we bow before you. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah. You have won the battles already. You have won the war. You have defeated Satan. You have defeated the the grave. You have risen from the dead. And you continue to fight our battles for us. You are also the lamb, the perfect lamb of God. You shed your blood for us. You took our place the punishment that every one of us deserve. And because you died and because you rose, we are here this morning and we worship you. We have no right to enter into the presence of our Father in heaven apart from through you, Lord Jesus. And so we pray in your name, we worship you, we adore you. Father God, we bow before you this morning, our eternal Father, our everlasting God, We beg on behalf of those who are hurting around the world, those in places like Ukraine, those in places like Turkey and Syria, and we ask that in all of that pain, you would use your children to share the gospel of the hope that is found in Jesus alone. We ask that there be a great movement of souls to Jesus as Lord and Savior through all of this. Father, we pray that you'd give us boldness. Boldness to stand for you to say what should be said in our own culture, in our own world. And help us to always love. To love with absolute truth. To speak truth always in love. And now, Father, as we open your word, we ask that you would speak to our hearts. Say what you want us to hear by your Spirit and move in us so that we will be responsive to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So good to be with all of you this morning to worship together the lion and the lamb. He's the one we're worshiping. And we, as we grow in our worship... We are focusing to be on learning how to be increasingly a house of prayer. That is God's will for us. Jesus clearly stated it is God's will for us. So we've been reading a little book, many of us, uh, each day, a little devotional book. And some of us are writing some of the things we're learning down on that uh, table out there. I hope you'll do that this week and next. And I'm going to ask Sean to come and share a little bit of what he's been learning as he's been reading through that little devotional book on prayer this week. Hello. So, my name's Sean. Um, What I've been learning from the prayer devotional is that the importance of having a place that you go to be alone with God. Like, it says that Jesus often withdrew to a solitary place and prayed. And there's a place where he went. Like, we know God's everywhere, but there's a certain place that he went that he knew God would meet with him. And that's what I've been trying to practice doing, going to a, a certain place where I know I'll meet with God and try to do that every day. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sean. We're all learning. We're all growing, and I pray that we will keep growing individually as people of prayer, but corporately as a family, as a community, as a house of prayer. This morning, we're back in Hebrews chapter 7. I'd invite you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 7. We've been looking at Jesus as our high priest after the order of Melchizedek, not the Aaronic order, not the Levitical order of high priests, but a much higher, much better order, a different order. It's called the order of Melchizedek. And we've been looking at what Melchizedek's life was like in comparison to Jesus. You know, thinking of Jesus as a different order, a better order of priests... There was a problem with the first order. It just wasn't quite what it needed to be. It's like a lot of things in our lives. We often say they just don't make things like they used to, right? You ever thought that? They just don't make things the way they used to. Um, A few years ago, Inel and I had to replace our refrigerator in our house So I was, as I always do, researching what's the best brand, what's the most reliable, and everything else. And one of the things that shocked me was everything I read told me that refrigerators today, our expected lifespan is 10 years. 10 years! I mean, they used to be decades. I have a friend up north who has a refrigerator that was his grandfather's refrigerator, and he's in his 40s, it's still running. It's never been repaired. I mean, they just don't make things the way they used to, do they? Things, things break. Things fall apart. The high priesthood was somewhat like that. I want to try to illustrate it a little bit this morning. I, I've got a glass here that... If you think of the high priesthood of Aaron, the Levitical high priesthood, it was a nice, nice priesthood. This glass is shiny, it's bright, it's sort of fragile, but it's good. In comparison to this thing for drinking water out of, this sort of looks bland. The high priest's families were sort of like this. They were show-offs, they were wealthy, they were well-connected, they lived in huge homes, they wore the best clothes, they looked great. Jesus coming to live on earth was a little bit more like this, sort of everyday-ish, bland, didn't catch your attention immediately. But we're told in Hebrews that there needed to be a new order of high priests. Why? Let me try to illustrate that. One of the problems with the high priests is they kept dying. And they had to to be buried. And a descendant had to take over. In essence, what happened to those high priests is this, they died and shattered never usable again they would rot in a grave but a high priest came along named Jesus after the order of Melchizedek he wasn't showy he wasn't fancy but he died not because he had to for us. And something happened when he died. He's still alive. His life is indestructible. If you have your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 7, we're told that a new high priest was needed after the order of Melchizedek, but this was the distinguishing thing about him. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 16. Talking about Jesus, Jesus, who became a priest not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The power of an indestructible life. Those high priests in the Aaron's order died and were replaced by a descendant. Died, were replaced by a descendant. That glass has to be replaced by another glass. It will be next, ser- next service. But Jesus has an indestructible life. And I'll use that same thermos next time. Radically different in kind. He's a completely different high priest. Why was that so necessary? Well, we needed a high priest because let's go back in our review of what happened to mankind. You, you, In the garden, God created Adam and Eve. He created them for fellowship with himself. He created them to live. He created them to live forever. That was the plan. (laughs) And to live in his presence with fellowship. God would walk with them in the cool of the evening, we're told. And then Adam and Eve rebelled, and they sinned. And the result of that sin was, first of all, a broken relationship with God. Remember, Genesis chapter 3 tells us that after they sinned, they were filled with shame, they ran and hid, and God, as was his custom, walked in the garden in the evening and called out to them, where are you, Adam? They were hiding. The relationship with God was broken, and Adam, Remember last week we looked at corporate solidarity in Adam because we are all his descendants. That relationship has been broken. It was not only broken with God, the relationship was broken with each other. Remember when God confronts Adam? He says, Adam, what have you done? Remember Adam's words? Well, the woman you gave to me, he blames Eve immediately their relationship as husband and wife was broken. And we continue to struggle with that all the way through generation from generation. When God then told them what their punishment would be, He said to Eve, what should be your greatest moment of joy in life, giving birth to a child, is going to be mingled with severe pain and he said to adam the gift i have given you of work ecclesiastes tells us work is a gift from god the gift i have given you of work will be over, overcome with sweat and then he said to both of them you came from dust you will return to dust And because in Adam, all of us have sinned and all of us have chosen to sin, every one of us dies. The high priests had the same problem. They died, they were buried, their lives were gone, their bodies rotted. We needed a high priest that was distinctly, completely different. Death had spread to all men because all of us had sinned. And then we hear these words that we just read. Jesus has become a high pri- a priest not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent. He's not it's not because he's in the family of Aaron, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it's witnessed of him, you are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. The power of Jesus' indestructible life changes everything for those who trust in him alone. We needed a different kind of high priest, a much better high priest. Jesus never sinned, and so he breaks that cycle of sin. Jesus rose from the dead. He breaks the cycle of death. Jesus lives forever. He breaks the cycle and the power of sin and death over us, Jesus is a high priest that can represent us forever before the Father. We don't want some priest trying to represent us to God who has the same destination as we do, a grave, and he's rotting in the ground. We want someone to represent us before God who has an indestructible life and will always be in the presence of God the Father. And that's Jesus. There is unspeakable power in the indestructible life of Jesus. That changes everything for those of us who trust in him alone. But he is the only high priest who has an indestructible life. Not only every high priest of the Jews died and were buried in a grave, their lives were corrupted, but every other person who's tried to start a religion on earth died, their body is in the grave, and they are corrupted. Their, Their destination is no different from ours. How can they help us? By the power of an indestructible life, he is our high priest. God's good, his even very good creation that he made in the Garden of Eden was marred by sin. It was no longer perfect. And we, have, we read in Romans that all of us now have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And so God gave the Israelites and all of us a law. It's, we find it in the Old Testament. It's a standard by which we should live. It is summarized in, in just a few words in the Ten Commandments. And Galatians tells us that that law was like a a school teacher for us. It was a guide for us. It was to show us what was expected of us because we had rebelled against God. This is what's expected. But the problem with that law was it couldn't save us. All it did was show us how badly we fail, right? None of us have kept all of those commandments. None of us. So the law teaches us what's expected of us, but it also reveals to us that we've all completely failed. The law made us realize that we need somebody to rescue us. And so Jesus comes, a rescuer, a savior. Yes, a high priest who represents us before God, but of a completely different order. That's why it's so wrong that some people, and I I don't know if any of us in this room, may sort of think of Jesus as our insurance policy to get us to heaven. He is not an insurance policy. You know what? A life insurance policy, it comes into effect when? When you die. I mean, it's no good for us, right? It's good for some other people, maybe, but it's no good for us. And health insurance, it's got those crazy deductibles. And even for the part that's not deductible, we actually pay for it, right? We can't pay for anything to get into heaven. We contribute nothing to get into heaven. This Jesus is not an insurance policy. This Jesus is a high priest who, because of his own indestructible life, lived perfectly, dies in our place, rises again, stands before his Father, and says, Father, this one I died for. This one has asked me to forgive them. This one I have given my righteousness. And he never stops. Forever and ever and ever, he is in the presence of the Father That changes everything for us. That protects us forever. And not like a life insurance policy that starts when you die. This starts right now. We have eternal life already. It's not waiting till we die. It's already God's gift to us. And through the rest of Hebrews, we're going to see the wonder of having a high priest who has an indestructible life. Now, let's back up to verse 11, because it's all running towards verse 16 and 17, the indestructible life of Jesus that qualifies Him to be a uniquely different high priest. But we ended last week with verse 10. We've been talking about Melchizedek's order being a better order, a higher order. Now, verse uh, 11, now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, For under it the people received the law. What further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there's a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For one of whom these things are spoken belonged to another tribe. So that one is Jesus. The one of whom these things are spoken, this new priest after the order of Melchizedek, belonged to another tribe. From which no one has ever served at the altar. Verse 14, for it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. That's the tribe of the kings. And remember, Hebrews started by saying Jesus is King of Kings. But and in connection with that tribe of Judah, Moses said nothing about priests. So Jesus comes through the tribe of Judah. That's the kingly tribe. It's not the priestly tribe, but he becomes a priest after the order of Melchizedek. This becomes even more evident, verse 15, when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, not because he's part of Aaron's family, but by the power of an indestructible life, for it is witnessed of him. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. If perfection had been attainable with Aaron's priest, we wouldn't have needed anything else. It obviously wasn't attained. What would that have perfection looked like? What would perfection have looked like if Aaron's priesthood had been enough and we didn't need a different kind of high priest, what would that perfection have been able to do for us? What would it have looked like? Well, first of all, it would have restored our relationship, the relationship between God and men. That relationship that was broken in the garden and has been broken by every single generation, every one of us to follow, that relationship would have been restored with God. But they couldn't restore it. If their, if their priesthood had been sufficient, we would have had complete forgiveness of sins. Not just animals that aren't anywhere near human beings, but animals who shed their innocent blood to sort of cover our sins, but certainly couldn't wash our sins away. We needed complete forgiveness, not just a covering. That would require an adequate sacrifice. That would require a person like us, who had no sin dying for us. And the high priests had sin. Before they entered into the Holy of Holies once a year, they had to offer a sacrifice for their own sin, and then they had to have a a rope tied around their ankle in case when they entered into the presence of God, they were struck dead so that their body could be pulled out. They did not have what it took to offer a completely adequate sacrifice. For, for them to have attained perfection for us, we would need to have our access restored to God, into the very presence of God. Like Adam and Eve could walk with God in the garden, that access would have to be restored. But when the high priest went in once a year on the Day of, on the day of Atonement into the Holy of Holies, that heavy four inch thick curtain remained until jesus died and the curtain was ripped from top to bottom because now access is available for all of us and finally if perfection had been offered victory over death would have been given because death is the final the final end the final result of sin Physical death, yes, but spiritual, eternal death in hell. And there would have to be victory over that final result of our sin if it was to be attained. Verse 11, Now if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would we have had for another priest to arrive after the order of Melchizedek than one after the order of Aaron? So what changed? Well, look at verse 12. For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. There is a change in the priesthood, a new priest of a different order after the order of Melchizedek, a changed priesthood, a better high priest. That's what the last two weeks have been talking about, a higher order, a special order, a better order. For Jewish believers, this could have been really hard to accept. Early Christians who had come out of Judaism, it would be hard to accept that the high priesthood in Jerusalem was not enough. I mean, God had set that priesthood up. Their ancestors, their parents, their grandparents had revered that priesthood. And for that priesthood simply to be set aside would be a feeling like our Judaism is set aside almost. But it wasn't. In fact, the priest they had always been longing for was now in place. And that priest was providing for them what those other high priests never could provide. And this wasn't just another high priest or another form. Verse 11 says, what further need would there have been for another priest? That word another in the in the original literally means distinctly different of a different kind. It's not just another like the same. But yes, a high priest, but distinctly different of a different kind, a different order. That's what everything has been pointing to here. He's not hereditary. He doesn't get this high priesthood because his father had it and his grandfather had it. He receives it by fiat from God. He's been appointed by God. It's not Aaronic. It's not Levitical. It's completely different. It's not transient. It's permanent. You are a priest forever. And so we look look down at verse 24. We're going to get there in in a few weeks, but look at verse 24. Talking about Jesus, He holds His priesthood permanently because He continues forever. That's because of His indestructible life. Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near. He saves us completely, 100% because he has an indestructible life. What changed? A changed priesthood. A better priesthood because of his indestructible life. And what also changed, verse 12, when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. There's a changed law requirements, stipulations for us to be accepted into God's presence, a change in that law. Jesus offers us a better law or a better covenant. You look down at verse 22. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. We're going to look at that next week. Jesus offers us a better law, a better covenant than the first one. Why do we have a change in the law? Well, the the Levites and the Aaron's family were part of that original law, that law given to Moses. Moses, We call it the Mosaic Law, that law in the Old Testament. The Levites were a part of that. If the Levites are gone, you're going to need a whole other system. They were central to that system. And the new system that's given to us cannot reduce the requirements for justice. You see, the requirements for justice cannot change. God can't say, well, you failed to keep the law, so I'll just forget that you are all sinners, or I'll just forget that judgment for sin is death and hell. God can't change justice because He is just. He can't change Himself. So he's going to have to provide for us a high priest who can so completely stand in our place that he can bring a whole new covenant in himself because of himself. What God does is provision for justice and righteousness is changed. Justice and righteousness do not change. The demands do not change. But the provision changes, and it changes through a new high priest over a new covenant, a new set of laws for us to obey. And these set of laws are written in our hearts because these set of laws are not, you shall not do this and you shall not do that or you will die and go to hell. These set of laws are, Jesus has fulfilled the law for us. He has done it all for us. He offers it to us as a free gift. There's nothing we have to do except to believe, except to accept, except to trust Jesus. Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them. I've come to fulfill them. Jesus doesn't throw out the Old Testament. He doesn't just say, oh, well, that was a failed effort by my Father in heaven. No, Jesus says that was perfect. That law is perfect. You just all failed. So let me do it for you. I'm going to fulfill every single bit of that law. And then because you all failed, I'm going to take your punishment. Isn't that stunning? That's our high priest. And he does it with an indestructible life so that after he takes our punishment, he's still alive. He comes back to life. The new covenant is sealed in Jesus' blood. That's why when we take communion, he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. The only way he could give a new covenant was to fulfill the old one first, and he does it in his own blood. Our sins are paid for. We are completely forgiven. And this new covenant is written on our hearts. It is no longer dependent on you and me getting everything right. Jesus got it right for us. Now, the new covenant is a covenant of love to God. And when Jesus says we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and when we love him, we're going to want to honor him. So our lives radically change, but we are not earning our way to heaven. And finally, the other thing that changed, a changed priesthood, a changed law, and changed outcomes. Because the outcome moves from death that's what the old law gave we're all sinners we deserve to die to life romans 6 23 the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord only through jesus christ our lord who is our high priest So, the changed outcomes are victory. Death has been swallowed up in victory, we're told in 1 Corinthians 15. Death has been swallowed up. It's done. Jesus has conquered it. And those of us who are believers, although our bodies will die, immediately we're in the presence of God because He's already given us eternal life. That is stunning. That gives us hope. The changed outcome of moving from death to life is because there's permanence in this new high priest, not transient. Jesus is always standing before the Father on our behalf, and we see that later in chapter 7. We're going to see that in just a few weeks. And finally, it's no longer death. It's life eternal. For everyone who would believe in Jesus, he gives us eternal life. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. Remember, chapter 5 came earlier, and there was a reason it came earlier, to always keep this in our mind. Jesus is the source of eternal salvation, a salvation that once it starts, never stops. That's our hope. That's our joy. So the power of Jesus' indestructible life changes everything for those who trust in him and only in him. He's our forever priest, we never have to find another one. He's fulfilled the law on our behalf. He's paid the price for our sins completely. He is our life. And so we we're told in John chapter 1, verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus is our life. Then he tells us in verse 12 of that chapter but to all who received him to those who believed on his name he gave the right to be called what children of God not everyone's a child of God it's to those who receive Jesus who believe on his name and Jesus put it this way in John chapter 6 this is the will of my father that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day that's because he has an indestructible life And because His life is indestructible and He stands before the Father on our behalf, He'll raise us up on the last day. Next week, we see how our relationship with with God has changed. We'll see that we have a better hope. We see that we have a better covenant, this new covenant that we looked at briefly. Everything has changed for those of us who have put our trust in Jesus alone. When you believe in Jesus, brothers and sisters, there is no reason to ever question his ability to stand before the Father on your behalf. His life is indestructible. He's accomplished it all for you and for me. Has nothing to do with what we have done, everything to do with what he has done. But here's the question every one of us needs to ask Are we trusting in Jesus alone? It's easy to trust in people or in institutions it's easy to trust well you know I grow I'm growing up in a Christian home my parents are Christians my grandparents are Christians I no we don't trust in our parents we don't trust our grandparents we don't trust in the home we were raised in we trust in Jesus we can say well I I trust that I'm in a good church we don't church does never can never save us Jesus only can be our high priest We have to look to Jesus. We have to trust in Jesus. And when we do, let me just close by reading these verses from Romans. This is our hope. This is now how we live. Who is to condemn us? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. He's at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us right now. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is our forever high priest by the power of his indestructible life. Lord Jesus, we bow before you so, so thankful that your life is totally indestructible and that you fulfilled all of that first law, that first covenant. You fulfilled it perfectly on our behalf and then took our punishment in our place. And because of the power of your indestructible life, you rose from the dead, and you are forever, forever our high priest, standing between us and your holy God, Father. And you, when, when your Father looks at us, he sees you. You tell your Father, I died for this one. This one trusted me. We are so grateful that you are our forever. High Priest, we worship you. And it's in your name alone that we pray.